Are you tired of hearing people complain about the world and ready to own the responsibility to make the world a better place? Hey, my name is Brent Simpson and welcome to this episode of Creating the Future. I believe that within each of us is a yearning to make the world a better place. So let's work together and make that desire a reality. My hope is that today's conversation inspires you as you endeavor to create the future. Hey guys, welcome back to Creating the Future. Recently, I had the amazing opportunity to be able to speak to our local businesses in the area of Brandon, Florida, really Tampa, Florida area, and share with them some leadership principles as we walk through this crisis. And we did that by way of the local chamber of commerce. And I did a Zoom call with them. And uh, and then that got shared with some business owners and organizational leaders. And uh, I wanted to be able to share this with our podcast listeners because I think it'll be very helpful as we walk through this crisis together. I think this is a moment where leaders need to rise up. And so I hope you lean into this episode. I hope you learn some things and uh, let's learn how to be great leaders during the middle of this crisis. So Pastor Brent, I have the pleasure of introducing you um, to the Brandon Chamber membership. And so that's super fun for me to be able to do that. So here are some cool things that you might want to know about Pastor Brent. Um, he, <laughs> he is a big FSU and Alabama fan, football yes. fan. Yeah. Um, he is not a Miami Hurricanes fan. I'm so sorry for those of you Hurricanes who are out there. He is a sports lover. He is crazy man of God. Super, super cool. He's wicked smart. I guess I shouldn't say wicked and, and, you know, pastor all in the same like breath, but wicked, <laughs> wicked smart, like degrees in philosophy and apologetics and leadership and pursuing his doctoral degree at the moment leads a ride church, right? Three campuses all across the um, kind of Southern in Hillsborough County, Eastern Southern Hillsborough County area, Brandon, South Shore, and we have an Arise India campus. How cool is that? But probably my favorite part is like, not only is he my boss, right? He is my pastor, but he's also my really, really good friend. So Aww, wicked smart sweet. pastor Brent, come on, talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny that you start with all of the sports stuff because that's where I'm starting at. Uh, I was doing the sports talk thing on Saturday with the guys and um, a live video we do and uh, talking about the greatest sports movies of all time and obviously Rocky is on that list for everybody right especially when you culminate all of the different I don't know what is there eight or nine total Rockies if you count the Creed movies in that and uh, and I thought it was uh, applicable to us uh, Rocky 3 starts in a uh, in an unusual way or, or it plays out in an unusual way you got Rocky who gets beat up by Mr. T Clubber Ling and then he goes through the whole training mantra, comes back into the ring. And uh, as he does that, he has this really ridiculous strategy for winning the fight that would never play out in real wor real world. And he basically just gets pummeled until he wears down Mr. T, Clubber Lang, and he just gets the snot beat out of him over and over and over. And uh, famously, he keeps yelling, you ain't so bad, you ain't so bad. <laughs> and uh, that whole line, and, and I'm not breathing heavy, you're breathing heavy, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I was thinking about that and thinking how the very fact is that so many people in the middle of change and in the middle of a crisis like we're in right now want to use that same kind of strategy, right? It's like we, uh, we don't actually want to um, fight back. We just want to run from it. We want to ignore it. And if, and if you, in a moment like this, if we don't 
do something and we just absorb blows. It might have worked for Rocky, but it is not going to work for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a moment where we're ducking and weaving and covering and all that kind of stuff. You got to duck and weave as much as you can to, to block the blows of this crisis and the change that's happening right now. But at the exact same moment, you cannot run from all of it. There is no way. And so in this season that we're in, we, we really have to lead well. And, uh, you know, a crisis like anything else will test our metal probably more than anything else. It's going to show what we're made of. And um, this is going to be one of those things that throws a lot of punches at organizations and businesses. And, and, uh, and it's a time where we, we've got to rise up and lead. And, and uh, we cannot delegate leadership in a moment like this. Um, you can't pass this off to somebody else. The buck isn't going to get passed. And it's going to test your metal and see what, how, kind of, how good of a leader you are. And if you've been leading in the past, if you haven't been just floating with the status quo and going along, uh, it's going to be a lot easier. But if you have just been, you know, maintaining the status quo, um, you're going to get punched in the mouth in a moment like this. And you're going to have to, to find out if you can fight or not. You're going to, this crisis is coming, like it or not. And, and, uh, but it's in the midst of these kind of moments that great leaders rise to the occasion. Um, they always rise up during hard times. And let's be real, anybody can lead when things are easy. I mean, let's, anybody can do that. But when the definitive moments come and life gets hard and you get the wind knocked out of you and you get punched in the mouth, so to speak, that's the moments where you find out what kind of leader you are, really are. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and this is a difficult season for leadership. And, and, and it's also a season at the same moment that leadership is needed more than it's ever been needed before. Inside of every organization, there's going to have to be people that step up and lead or you're just not going to survive. And, and so my point with all that is just that we have to take action. Um, we, we've got to rise up to these, this moment. Um, and honestly, these are the moments too that the greatest life lessons are learned. If you ever sit and talk to somebody who's gone through hard times in their life, they always point back to a time of crisis or hardship. And that's what they say, oh, that's where I learned the most. And we're in the middle of a moment where if we rise up, we can actually learn the most about who we are and what we can accomplish in our organizations as a whole. And uh, now this is where I want to go with this. So when I say lead well, and I'm talking about Rocky and fighting and all that, I want to be very clear because I think leading well in this moment is going to look different than a lot of people might assume it's going to look. Uh, Leading well during this season means we're going to need an extra level of care, an extra level of compassion and understanding. This is a moment in the world where we need leaders who don't have just IQ, but also EQ. And I trust that most people that would be watching this know what EQ is, but that's the, that's the emotional intelligence. It's, it's understanding how you make people feel and how their, how their feelings are being affected by the things you say and do. And there has never, ever been a greater time for compassion within leadership than right now. Uh, this is the time to not just lead people, but to hear people and see people right there where they are. Um, this is a time where you need to be the leader that you wish that you had years ago. You wish that somebody had been for you and you need to be that because when people go through a hard time, they're grasping for straws. They're trying to figure out and make sense of this world and, and adding more pressure onto that doesn't help, but having compassion in the middle of that really does. I, I was talking to a, a guy last week um, and uh, he was telling me stories about a place that he had been in the past and they had gone through a hard time. And he was telling me how his boss every week would come to him when he handed him his paycheck and say, I just don't know if you're going to get paid next week. I don't know if you're going to get paid next week. Listen, that might very well be true in this moment with the crisis we're in for different businesses and companies, but that's not helpful to the employee. 
That's not loving the employee. That's not having compassion on them. There's a way to say it, and we'll get to that in a minute, without scaring them, you know, without making things worse. Uh, I was with a plant manager oh, two or three weeks ago now, right, 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 right before all this started, so maybe a month ago now. And uh, we were talking about leadership, and he was struggling with some things. And this particular plant manager said that when he hires people, he always tells them, he said, he said my kids will eat first. My kids will eat before your kids. In other words, I'm not going to lose my job because of you. And I, I completely understand what he's getting at there, but, but I, I was trying to correct that. I said, listen, never say that. People don't want to work for somebody that doesn't care about them and doesn't care if their kids eat and is always protecting number one. You're going to create a culture where everybody's protecting number one, and that's, that's not healthy, but it's easy to do in a moment like this. And so in that moment, I said, listen, do it this way. Just said, I will do all I can to make sure your kids eat. You know, don't make it about your kids, my own kids not eating or not. I will do whatever I can to make your kids, uh, allow your kids to be able to eat and, and make sure that you're successful in this, this company. So, um, right now is this unique season where it's not just enough to do business. We've got to do relationships. Um, uh, we, we've got to let people know that you're walking with them through hard times. They got to feel your compassion and in the crisis and in the midst of change because all change leads to crisis in some people. So, when we talk about leading change or leading crisis, a lot of it is so similar and people need to know that you're with them in it. Um, the Germans had this, this uh, uh, quote they called the, the feel of the cloth that when they would march in individual lines and uh, side by side that they would feel the cloth of the person next to them and the cloth of the person next to them actually gave them an assurance and a peace and a comfort that, that somebody is with me in this. And I think this is a moment where as a, as a leader, as a boss, as a manager, that our people need to know, hey, I'm in this with you. We're going to make it through this together and, uh, and that I care about you. Uh, we say this a lot in our church. Pastor Tina will recognize this, but two things people never forget is a hand in a boot. They never forget that hand that pulls them up during a hard time. They also never forget the boot that shoves them down uh, during a hard time. And so, so, so we just, we need a new level of compassion, I think. And I think that's something people aren't talking about in leadership as much right now, uh, but it's going to pay big dividends. We'll get to that in a second, but it's, it's going to pay big dividends in the long run. And so getting past, you know, we all walk back by people and we say, how are you doing? But stopping for a minute, looking them in the eye after they say, oh, I'm good. Looking them in the eye and say, okay, really, how are you doing? You know, uh, the fact is this crisis is deeply unsettling for a lot of people and their futures and everybody has these concerns. And, um, and, and, and the other thing is this, inside of our businesses and organizations, people are always the greatest asset we will ever have. Uh, we might have things that are very valuable and some people might sell things or have things in stock that are valuable, but our people are always the most valuable things because you're not going to sell without good people and you're not going to have customer service without good people. People are the greatest asset you're ever going to have. And in this moment, trust is a currency and compassion is a currency. And as you have compassion now, that's going to pay huge dividends later on. As you're loving and caring for people and, and talking to them and slowing down a little bit to say, hey, I'm, I'm with you through this and I got your back and, and, and you know, not everybody's going to make it through this and sometimes we do have to lay off or let people go. I, I, we understand that, but it's never out of a bad heart. I, I love you and we're going through this and I'm going to do all I can to make sure we take care of you through this uh, crisis and, and through this change. And, and, and you know, it, it pays huge dividends, you know, six months, years later, after this crisis is over, after this change is over, you know, a year from now, those people are loyal and they are with you and they got your back and you can't pay somebody to do that. Not, not truly from the heart. And, and, uh, 
And so, you know, people are walking into this crisis and I keep having to remind myself that so many people even had crises that they were walking in before this crisis, before this unsettling change to all of us. They already had marriage problems and kid problems and, and all of that was coming to work with. And so now you're adding on to those problems with this giant global pandemic that's going on. And, and uh, you know, I think we just have to have a new level of care for people during this season. And um, especially millennials, um, uh, with millennials, which probably make up some of the workforce that's, that's represented here, uh, they really care a lot about how the boss cares for them. If they're in a place where they feel like the boss loves me, cares for me, has my back, it goes a long way. In fact, so often they'll take less money to work in that kind of environment. And, uh, and I think this is a moment where it proves that kind of environment because crises either bring out the best or worst in people. Nobody really stays the same. You either turn to selfishness and, and people are hoarding toilet, toilet paper or whatever, right? That kind of stuff. Uh, it turns to selfishness or you see the most beautiful aspects of humanity and selflessness in moments like this. And, 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 and I love that because so many people focus on the bad. But if you look, there's also some incredible good going on. Uh, we, we have a friend, Pastor Tina and I, who's, in a, who's a, a higher up at Ashley Furniture and they had to lay off a lot of people through this. And, and when I was talking to this lady, she was saying how uh, some of the CEO types, one of the, the real executives in, the, in Ashley Furniture, committed to taking a $1 a week paycheck until this thing is over because they knew they could afford it and they could keep other people's jobs. And that's the kind of thing, like if, if you're working for Ashley Furniture and you know that your executive, your CEO, your uh, CFO, whoever, does that kind of sacrifice to make sure that you're there, it creates and fosters this level of, of commitment that, that you can't buy. And it's so important in a moment like this. And, and I just think in these moments, we have a unique opportunity to show people that we care, that it's not just about my IQ and how much I know, it's about my EQ and how much I can have compassion and love for people that, that I work with and, and just make a better work environment once this is over. And again, you can't always... Um, keep everybody. There's going to be layoffs. There's going to be people let go and things like that. But you can do it in such a way that lets people know that it hurts you whenever they hurt. And I think that that's powerful. So, so we just got to lead well in this moment and not just the X's and O's, which is what most people concentrate, but, but loving on the, the workers and those who especially are already going through a crisis before this crisis. And this is just overwhelming and being a, a real leader to them and a friend um, to them. So, Secondly, I would say this, uh, and this is being said everywhere. Any leadership podcast you listen to right now during this crisis is saying this, but it needs to be repeated because that's the whole point, and that is communicate relentlessly. Uh, uh, General Stanley McChrystal was on a podcast uh, with uh, Ryan Hawk, the, the learning leader with Ryan Hawk. Uh, General Stanley McChrystal led the Afghanistan invasion, had you know I don't know, hundreds of thousands of soldiers underneath him, some Americans, some others, uh, but he led that, that invasion. So he's walked through some crisis and walked through some radical change. And he said, you have to communicate relentlessly, consistently. You can't stop. Why? Because when you communicate constantly during this time, because things are changing constantly during this crisis. I mean, especially in the first few days, in the first few weeks, I mean, it's, it's every day is something new. 
you know, our county uh, on this particular day, I guess they're voting on whether or not we have to wear masks when we walk outside, you know, and it's every day. We just got put on a curfew and every day there's something new and that new thing is a new change and it's a new crisis and everybody gets overloaded. And so you have to communicate the vision, communicate the mission of your, your organization constantly be talking to people, be a, a voice of reason uh, in their minds, which is the second part of that. Communicate clearly. Be the one that in the midst of everything that's going on and all these voices that are speaking into our heads, that, that the leader is the one that's clearly communicating and telling people how to think about these things. How should we respond to this? How is our organization, our business going to respond to this? What are the new rules of engagement? You know, uh, how is each unit, each department, each team, each, each person going to work through this and going to, to, to operate through this and, and just be, be extremely clear. We, we say it sometimes in, in, our, in our organization, our church, that, that we are the CCOs, the chief clarity officers, right? We've got to be so clear and especially in a moment like this because unclarity is unsettling and it causes the crisis to become greater, even more scary, and, uh, and just causes more fear and, and panic and problems within us. And so uh, we really need to be clear. This is a moment where, where we need buy-in from people. And so when you're making decisions, talk to them about them. Let them know the why, right? Uh, Craig Rochelle said it recently. He said, people will go along with the what if you explain your why. And I love that, you know, and just instead of just making commands and barking orders, that old school domineering style of leadership is out. It, it really ended in the 80s. And you can't just bark orders, especially right now, and especially when you're leading change. People need to buy into the change. They need to understand it. So you have to explain why it is. And, and even in the moments where you're letting somebody go or having to lay off, if you can sit with them and explain the why, and, and hurt with them and explain, listen, I, I hate this. This stinks and we're all in this together. But in this moment, we have to make this decision. And I'm so sorry we have to make this decision, but we don't, but, but we do. And even if they're a great, a great person, say, listen, when this is over, if we can bring you back in or whatever, if you're still available, we want to. And, and any kind of severance or anything you can do for people during these moments, I think really create a, 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 a spirit and foster a spirit of trust. And, um, and that's part of it too. We got to communicate candidly. We got to be real. We got to give proper perspective. Uh, don't make it bigger than it is and don't make it smaller than it is. I think those are two temptations of leaders in a moment like this. The, the first one is to make it little and, oh, this is no big deal. We're fine. We're going to get through this. The other one is to act the pessimist part that's just, oh, the world's coming to an end and everything's going to end, you know. In a moment like this, people really need perspective. They're hearing all these voices. They need that clarity and that perspective from the leader, at least in the workplace. You know, at home, God only knows what's happening and even trying to, to take care of kids right now. Work at home, so many people are, and do the homeschooling thing at the same time is so tough. But, but letting them know, hey, we're in this together. We will overcome. You know, if you've never read Good to Great, it's literally one of the the great leadership books of all time. Good to Great is, is just an amazing book. And, and in that book, they tell the story, Jim Collins tells the story of a, a Vice Admiral um, Jim Stocksdale. And uh, he talks about being in a prison camp in Vietnam and, and, and how he made it through. He was in there for a long time. And, and being a, a higher level military person, they gave him extra persecution and extra hard times. And, and he talks about how he survived. And at one point they asked him, they said, how come some guys survived and some didn't? What was the difference? And he said the difference was between faith and optimism, and I'm, I'm butchering this and tell it in my own perspective, but he said the optimistic people always thought, oh, it's going to be over soon. It'll be over by Easter. It'll be over by, by, by July 
4th. It'll be over by New Year's, by Christmas, whatever. And they were always creating a date and they said, it'll be over by this. And then every time that date came and it didn't, didn't pan out, they were disheartened and they really died of a broken heart and, and just, just hurting through it. And uh, uh, he said the ones who survived were the ones that had faith compared to optimism. You might call it hope, but it's the faith that says, I don't know how this is going to be over. I don't know when it's going to be over, but it will be over and we will survive. And I think as leaders, this is a moment where we need to choose faith over optimism. We don't know, you know, we don't know if this is going to be over May 1st, June 1st, July 4th. God forbid football season not happen this year. You know, we, we don't know when it's going to be over. And if we create false hope, and then it gets dejected. It actually takes away people's trust from us. And so we need to be people of faith that says, listen, I don't know. We, we can hope for the best and plan for this date and that, but none of us know. Just be honest about it and say, hey, but I do have faith that we're going to be okay. Uh, the third thing I would say is this. This is a moment to be creative. Now, we kind of know that, but we're forced into it in a new way. Crisis, I've heard it said this way, crisis is the cradle of creativity. It's the cradle of opportunity. And, and uh, in so many ways in all of our worlds, uh, we have been forced to become creative in order to survive. Uh, it was funny. I love this. Last night, there's a, a young lady that, that Tina and I know uh, that had her 21st birthday. And because of everything going on, obviously, there's no birthday party. People can't come over to the house. You know, it's just, and it stinks for her. So her parents planned a drive-by birthday honking parade uh, kind of thing. And everybody drove by her house and everybody's honking the horn. They were in the driveway waving. Everybody's honking the horn. They're shouting happy birthday and we love you and all this stuff out the window. And I love that because it was taking a bad thing, being creative for it and actually creating a memory that she'll remember the rest of her life. I don't know about you guys, but, but I don't specifically remember my 21st birthday and maybe you do, maybe you don't. But the fact is for, for this particular person, she will never forget that moment. And out of a bad situation, she was created and actually, or creative and actually created a beautiful moment that she will never forget. And so, um, change culture is so important and having a change culture before this crisis hits will help the crisis so much. It'll, it'll change it from being a, a complete about face and radical shift to just being a pivot and not nearly as much. And so, we can talk about creating a change culture later on, but, uh, but in this moment, we have got to adjust Again, more sports analogies, but this is really a moment of halftime adjustments. You know, we went into the game with a plan. Most of our organizations had plans this year, and we were going to do this and going to do that. All right, well, we just got punched in the mouth. We're losing. We're going into halftime. And that's why the real leaders step up in moments like this and create halftime adjustments. And, and this is a moment for that. Uh, I've heard that it's not true, but I've also heard it said, I don't speak Mandarin, so I don't know, but I've heard that Mandarin Chinese does not have a word for crisis, but instead it's two words that are put together and the words are danger and opportunity. And I love that because whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter. The principle of it is true. It's, it's, it's like the stock market right now. Some people lost a lot, but some people are being able to put money in and gaining a lot. And this is a moment where if we're creative, we can actually gain and not just lose, but we're going to have to flex our creative muscles. And so, um, uh, the simple fact is when it comes to creativity, every organization, every business was created to solve problems. The same problem that you were solving may not still be there. 
but there are more problems arising every day right now. And so how can your business solve those problems? How can we adjust? And we're seeing this all over the world. Um, commercial airlines right now, you know, shipping uh, cargo instead of people and, and a car company, I think it's Ford and GM right now that are creating respirators instead of just the cars. And I heard of a clothing, a small clothing manufacturer that was really hurting. So they started creating masks instead of clothing. And it's these moments where you can pivot and be creative and say, all right, what is the need? How can I fulfill that need within my organization and the structure that I already have? And, uh, the last part of that that I would say is this, we got to think about the new normal that will come after this. So most of us probably are beginning to get a grasp that even when this pandemic is over, it's not going to be the same. Nothing will ever be the same, quite the same. I mean, there's obviously, it'll go back to somewhat normal, but there's going to be differences in the future that we don't have now. And most of us as leaders are guilty of if we were playing football and somebody's running, you don't throw the football to where they are, you throw it to where they're going. And most of us are guilty of throwing it to where our, our culture is, our industry is, our economy is, where our market is in that moment and not throwing to where it's going to be. This is a moment where if we do that, we're going to be in trouble because the world is changing rapidly. The last I heard, the, the, the uh, understandings, the, the knowledge of the world changes every 12 months, it doubles. I mean, it used to be every 500 years it doubled. Now it's every 12 months, knowledge is doubling. I mean, think about the fact we're on a Zoom call right now and, and, and there's probably some people that'll watch Zoom or things that, that you couldn't even spell Zoom before. You didn't have a clue what it was before. And now all of a sudden, this radical shift is happening and we have to be able to not only see the shift where it is, but see where it's going. Um, if we don't see where it's going, it's gonna be hard to succeed. If we're not willing to change, and go after that. It's going to be hard to succeed. It's going to be hard to last. And uh, this is a moment where, where I say it this way, six words that will destroy any business right now or any company or any church or anything, nonprofit, is we've always done it this way. There was a time where you might've gotten away with that. That is over now. Uh, because if you're still doing it that way, it's probably not working and it's probably the death in your business. And, and we know that our, our leadership IQs go down with time. Um, uh, meaning that, that the longer you're in a business or an organization, the less you notice the problems. You know, painters don't smell paint any longer. They don't even notice any longer because they're used to it. And as that happens, it threatens our ability to create new ideas. It threatens our abilities to become creative because we get stuck in the status quo. And uh, I love the way uh, uh, James Koza uh, uh, says it. He's a um, leadership expert. He says, uh, leaders must challenge the process precisely because any system will unconsciously conspire to maintain the status quo and prevent change. Leaders are in this system and systems by their nature don't want to change. We're in a moment where we have to change. Leaders have to lead the change in the middle of that. So, um, you know, we could talk about a lot more, but, but uh, you know, our mission, our vision is permanent, but our approach is, is temporary. There's a shelf life to all of our approaches in, or, in our organizations and how it will work. What worked yesterday might not work today and definitely won't work tomorrow. And we've got to be creative with that. And every, every organization is slightly, slightly different with that. So uh, the, the last thing that I would say, uh, and then we can do Q&A or Pastor Tina and you guys, whatever you want to do. But uh, the last thing that I would say here is um, as we do halftime adjustments, 
So most of us had our first quarter goals and second quarter goals and plans for the end of the year and lag measures and lead measures and all those kind of things. As we do our, our halftime adjustments, you're going to fail some. That's okay. Don't fear failure. Just keep moving forward. Um, believe it or not, there was a time I used to do triathlons and I would swim for long periods of time and, and I would swim a mile or more, um, not every day, but consistently four or five days a week, I would swim a mile or more uh, in the pool. And when you're swimming in the pool, you do that thing where your hand's coming up, you're grabbing what's in front of you, the water that's in front of you, and you're shoving it behind you and you just keep doing it. And you're never going more than a foot or so above your head and you're just taking what's in front of you and shoving it behind you. So the great philosopher Dory, once said, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. This is really and truly a moment where in your leadership teams, you can't plan for much more than a month or so. You can't plan for much more than a week or so at times. Just keep swimming. Just take what's in front of you, work it out, and keep pushing it behind you. And in swimming, at least, that's actually what creates progress and keeps you moving forward. I believe in the middle of a crisis and in the middle of change, extreme change like we are, that's also what will do the same thing. You know, you can plan for next week, but next week might be radically different. Just keep taking each day, grab it, push it behind you, and, um, and keep loving people in the middle of it. So, that's, that's my thoughts. And I know Pastor Tina says this uh, in some of the meetings with you guys, with different businesses and chamber uh, meetings, but our church is here to serve you guys during this, and, and we want to be a blessing to the community. If you have anybody in your businesses or, or such that, that need prayer, let us know. We'll, we'll go there and pray with them. If you ever want to start a Bible study or something that's just voluntary and anybody who wants to show up can do it, let us know. We'll jump in and have somebody go over and, and teach that or uh, any kind of conversations like that, that that we can help with. And any way we can help with giving compassion in a moment like this and giving hope in a moment like this, we are here for you. So anyway, that, that, that's, my, that's my leadership talk. I don't know if we want to talk about it or what, Pastor Tina? Am I unmuted? Oh, yep, you're unmuted now, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Pastor Brent. That was so, so good. And here's what I love about everything you just shared. You know, obviously, you know, we've worked together for eight years now, and I can tell you at Arise, everything that he just communicated is is what we live and breathe as a culture. It's what you yeah. embody, and yeah. I think that's amazing. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of the person who is a leader in their organization, but maybe they're not the top leader in their organization and they don't have a leader that is leading with clarity and they don't have a leader that's leading with confidence and halftime game changes. How does somebody lead up, right? They can't, they can't make the whole organization better. How do they lead up? Yeah. Um, Ty and I, my, my son Ty, we just watched the movie Invincible uh, recently, is a couple days ago, um, after that sports talk thing. <laughs> and so we pulled out the Invincible movie, which is the story of Vince Papali, uh, the football player in Philadelphia who basically is a walk-on that becomes a professional football player for the Philadelphia Eagles. Great little movie. Mark Wahlberg plays the part. And um, my mind's going blank on the name of the coach right now. He's, he's famous. But the coach for the Philadelphia Eagles is very young. And there's a moment where where – uh, Vince Papali is called to the office and, uh, and it's just him and the coach talking and the coach is young and Vince Papali is a little older and the coach says to Vince, cause that's his job. He says, so how you doing? How you doing Vince? And Vince says, Hey, I'm pretty good. And he stops for a second. He says, Hey coach, how are you doing? And the coach freezes in his, in his steps in that moment. And it was this shocking. Okay. He just asked me. And so the coach says, you know, a few bumps and bruises, but I'm making it through kind of like you are kind of thing. 
But there's this same thing that happens. Sometimes we forget that our leaders also are going through a crisis the same way we were. They might have already been going through a marriage crisis and a kid's crisis and a financial crisis already. Just because they're the boss doesn't mean they're, they're, they're not going to have the same kind of issues. And so I think one of the ways is you sit in that meeting the same way and you step into their office and say, hey, how are you doing? Again, do for them what you wish they would do for you. And, uh, and I, think that's, I think that's one of the ways. And uh, just keep okay. encouraging them. Keep strengthening them. How are you doing, Pastor Brent? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good, Tina. I'm good. <laughs> Anybody else with, with a question? You're muted, Bernadette. Okay. So, um, hi, hi, Brent. Um, hey, I, Bernadette. I work with a lot of... That's Mary. Oh, Hi, Mary Lee. Yes. Hey, Mary. Hi. Sorry. Hi, Mary Lee. That's okay. <laughs> I'll correct you again. Um, I work with a, a lot of nonprofit organizations, and I, I'm getting uh, questions on, um, you know, what should I be doing? You know, how do I build relationships during this time? Because uh, fundraising is mm-hmm. all about building that relationships. Um, what advice can you give me? Uh, when talking to my nonprofit organizations about how they could show up in leadership right now, because they're all they're all going going nuts. Right, right. I think with with nonprofits, this crisis could become a beautiful thing because it's mm-hmm. forcing people to become more creative. And in the stereotypes, nonprofits, churches, different things like that are generally not on the creative end of things, especially in the church world, because we deal with so many sacred things that don't change. And then we confuse them with the sentimental things that are supposed to change, but then they don't want them to change. Um, What I'm seeing in the church world, and and I would think this would be true in the nonprofit world, is a whole lot of phone calls, a lot more one-on-one communication than is normally done. And with my experience, people have eaten it up. Like when you call them out of the blue and you don't want anything. Because in my world, usually when I call somebody, you know, I I need you to do this for me or do that, you know. But just calling and saying, hey, how are you doing? Really pressing through if you were in the beginning of the the conversation and saying, okay, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. No, really, how are you doing? How how are you really doing through this? And, 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 you know, and then those questions of how can I serve you during this? But I think the Mm one-on-one creates a, a trust factor that's so beautiful and a compassion factor and people really respond well to that. I think texting is good and those kind of things, but I don't think in this moment it can replace the one-on-one phone conversations. Even, even you know, everybody's doing Facebook everything right now and social media in general. That cannot replace the calling one-on-one. I miss you. I love you. And if you're in a larger organization, that's a lot, you know, and in, in, in our church world that we're living in right now, there, there's a lot of people to call. You could spend your entire day calling people, but I do think that's extremely valuable in a moment like this. Okay. Yeah. yeah Pastor Brent, um, I want to make a comment and then kind of pose sort of a question. Um, I, I appreciate all the information today. Um, I, I have some pages of notes here, so I was <laughs> put my glasses on to try to sort through where I wanted to ask some questions. But um, thank you for first of all for making um, for making this something that we can take away and use, um, especially you know the communicate constantly, the communicate clearly. Um, and, and to be creative because I think that is a problem that we're having. Um, mm-hmm. Things are coming at us constantly and it's not always 100% clear. You know, some of us, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm 
responsible for it as well. Some of us are reacting, you know, because we want to make sure that we're getting information out to people. And sometimes um, that's just not the best way. Um, but I wanted to bring up the part of the comments that you made about crisis either brings out the best um, or worse. You know, most of us don't say the same and then kind of tie that back to having compassion because um, it, it is going to bring out the best and worst of us. And some of us, um, you know, there will be employees at companies um, that maybe were not performing as they should before. Yeah. And now we will see how they're performing under the crisis. And then, you know, to have compassion through that is is kind of difficult because, you know, as business owners and business leaders, um, you know, we have to take care of our business in the majority. Right. So any advice for how you're going to, you know, maybe talk to the, the those staff people who um, were struggling a little bit before the crisis and now you kind of see, you know, we I'm sure business owners want to have compassion, you know, because we don't want to let people go. Right. Um, there's not a lot of opportunities out there, but you also have to make sound decisions for your business. Right. Yeah, and I think when you explain it that way, and I think explaining is the big key there, when you explain it that way with people, everybody understands. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what I would say is is perhaps creating some some deadlines, and so it's not like this thing hit, tomorrow you're fired. It's going, hey guys, we're all in this together. This is why you communicate so often. We're all in this together, and this stinks right now, and we may have to lay some people off. But if we do, it won't happen until next Friday or two weeks from today or whatever. That way it gives some sense of clarity and, uh, uh, and hope in that. You know, there's always third options in these things too. And we, we talk about employees who aren't doing their job that well. Um, there's a, a great book called Move Your Bus. I forget the guy who wrote it. He was the national teacher of the year, mm-hmm. um, became famous from that. He was on Oprah and all this. Uh, great guy. Um, really fun if you ever see him speak live. Uh, but he wrote this book called Move Your Bus. I don't know if any of you guys have ever read it, but the concept was there are people on the bus and if you picture the old Flintstones cars, right? You know, the Flintstone car, there's some people that are running. They're really pushing it forward. There's some people that are jogging, some people that are walking. There's some people that are just sitting on the bus and they're not doing anything. They're just getting drug around. And his whole teaching throughout that book was this, that the people, wherever they are, if they're a runner or a jogger or a walker or a sitter, whatever they are, they usually will never progress to the next level and if you really try really hard to motivate them, they might go there for a month or two, but then they end up going right back to whatever their human nature is. And, um, and what happens so oftentimes is our, in our businesses is that we love people. We don't want to hurt people. And so in that moment, we, 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 you know, we let these people keep working for so long that are riders or walkers and they're not really projecting the, the company forward. This is the blessing in disguise in this is that it's going to force us to have to get rid of some of those people that, that we love, but they're not the best people on the team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, um, even inside of, of, of humans, right? You, you had baby teeth, Bernadette, when you were little that were amazing, I am sure. But at some point, in order for you to grow into adult, you had to lose those baby teeth and adult teeth came in. Inside of every organization, as the organization grows, there are some people that could get you here, but they're not going to get you to there. Uh, we must molt, so to speak, inside of organizations. And um, if you've set it up well, this is a bigger picture than the crisis we're in, but if you've set it up well, uh, every organization should be a team, not a family. We love to talk about family. Many teams feel like family because you can love each other like family and this and that. The difference is 
when it comes to family, everybody has, you know, great aunt Bertha, who's, you know, 95 years old, and she comes to Thanksgiving, and we all love her to death, and we would do anything for great aunt Bertha. But the fact is, she doesn't actually contribute to anything anymore, and she can't help cook, and she doesn't wash the dishes, and she doesn't contribute any longer. But you love her, and she has always got a seat at your table, and always will until she passes away, because she's great aunt Bertha. That's family. However, teams aren't, don't function that way. Teams, you love each other, you bond, you have great culture. But if the shortstop on the team keeps dropping the ball, he's either got to go onto the bench or he's got to go down to, you know, a different level of, of play. Um, you know, triple A ball or double A ball or whatever, if you do the baseball analogy, uh, because you cannot just keep somebody on the team who isn't pulling their weight. This is a moment. And, and honestly, as far as the leadership talk is concerned too, if you keep somebody on the team, who's not pulling your weight, it actually takes away the authority of the leader because every other player knows hey, this guy's not pulling his weight. This guy's, and that makes the leader, the manager, the boss not leading well and they lose respect for the leader because they're not uh, dealing with the situation. All that to say, this crisis is going to force us to deal with some of that situation. And so there's a, there's a good part of that that could come out of it. There's a, sorry, I don't want to ramble, but there's an old Cheers episode from back in the day where I, I forget which one it was, Norm or one of the guys on Cheers, but he gets the job of firing people. And every time he fires, fires them, he just cries his eyes out. And, and then after that, like everybody wants to be fired because it gets this reputation. Um, obviously, that's an extreme and a silly sitcom. But no matter how you do it, I think when you let people go, there needs to be a wealth of compassion. And even if they weren't pulling their weight to the level that you wanted, you're, you're dealing with humans and you got to love them that way. Um, and, and care for them and yeah i don't know if that answered the question but it does it, it brings a lot of clarity to situations and i think it'll be a help to you know a lot of people out there so yeah. i appreciate that yeah pastor brian is this the bus the move your bus <laughs> that is the book? book ron clark that is the bus okay. move the bus book yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a great little book it's actually a really quick read uh you could probably read that in three hours it's it's a short little book it's a parable kind of book, but it's a, it's a good one. Well, I'll have to put it on our, our, our short-term reading list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Pastor Brent, thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, your knowledge. Um, you know, I get the gift of, of being able to tap into that on a regular basis, but I just want to echo what you said, that, that we continue to be a resource to our membership, to the community, and we stand here and available anytime you've got something you want to chat about. The funny thing is, is that people always think that we sit around and pray and read the Bible all day. Um, <laughs> and while we do a good amount of that, we do a whole lot of leadership and yeah. a church is a business as well. So we're, yeah. we're certainly glad to come alongside and support the membership. Yep. Yeah, it's a privilege to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this conversation today, and I especially hope it added value to you. If you enjoyed it, would you do me a favor and give us a five-star rating on your podcast provider? It really helps to get the word out. And of course, if you share this content with your friends, that would be great too. And until next time, I hope you continue creating a better future. I look forward to being with you again soon.